I work around people all week that are at the bottom of their rope. In fact, they don't even have rope, if you will. It, usually all they have is so small that they can carry it around in a backpack. These are people that society often views as failures and as a nuisance. These are broken and defeated people. And because of the choices that many of them have made, they often choose actually to remain homeless because the back path to what a, quote, normal life is seems next to impossible because they don't have the resources any longer. Who will hire someone like me? How can I go to an interview when I can't even get a shower? How can I get to that job if the buses don't even go out that far? But for some that have chosen to enter our program to get clean, to get a job, having money in their pocket leads them back to that one thing that they could not overcome. That one thing. And the Bible is full of stories of people that have struggled with that one thing that they couldn't overcome. No amount of self-will or human resources could help them. Stories like that lead to that word, impossible. But one of the things that Easter is about is overcoming the impossible. When Jesus began his ministry, he caused quite a stir. He began to bring hope to the hopeless, and the word got out, because there was someone who was changing things. Jesus was. And he was, he was healing people, all kinds of people, and all kinds of situations that they faced. He was caring for the poor. He was challenging the religious leaders and pointing out their hypocrisy, offering grace and love to people who had never received it before because of those very same leaders. And he was someone who was teaching with power and authority. He wasn't going by a script because he, he is God. The people could tell a difference when he taught. He taught with power and authority. And he broke a lot of social rules. He broke a lot of, quote, religious rules. But the social rules, including hanging out with women and telling them about himself and hanging out with the outsiders, the people like the Samaritans, who the actual word Samaritan was practically a cuss word for a Jew. And he confronted evil with serious power that no one had ever seen before. And because of all that Jesus was, large crowds began to follow him around because he offered real hope. But that real hope in the midst of that, that he offered, the religious leaders continually challenged him. They continued to come after him and the Jews responded to him. We see this in John chapter 2 verses 18 through 20. It says, the Jews then responded to him, what sign can you show us to prove your authority to do all this. Who do you think that you are? Jesus answered them. He said, destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days. And they were thinking that he was talking about the temple where they went to worship. But it says this, they replied, it's taken 46 years to build this temple and you're going to raise it in three days? The rest of the verse says this. There should be another slide, I believe. If not, I've got it written down. You're going to raise it in three days? Actually, verse through 21, I'm sorry. It says, but the temple he had spoken of was his body. 
After he was raised from the dead, his disciples recalled what he had said. Then they believed the scripture and the words that Jesus had spoken. Right here we learn Jesus said, just take out this temple and I'll raise it again in three days. That's how you'll know that I have authority to do the things that I'm doing. That's how you know that I have the power to do the things that I'm doing. And the question really that I have for you this morning as, you, as we come together for Easter is this. What is your impossible one thing? What is that one thing that it's like there's no way that this is going to change? And do you also believe the scripture that we'll read this morning that God is able to do the impossible in your life? Even as Christians, sometimes we struggle with faith, believing that God can help us with some things, but not that one thing. He can help us with this, but this other thing, I don't know. And really, early in the part of the Bible, we read this great story about this guy named Abraham and his wife, Sarah. And God had promised Abraham that he and Sarah would have a son in their old age. And of course, this was long past the time that Sarah would physically be able to have a child, to have a baby. And so she laughed to herself, thinking, there is no way. And for her, that was really her one thing, if I could just have a child. There's no way. This is impossible. And she laughs to herself as she overhears God and Abraham talking. And God, of course, has overheard Sarah, and he says to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh? He says, is anything too hard? Is anything too difficult for the Lord? In Luke 18, 27, Jesus echoes that very statement and that belief by saying, what is impossible with man is possible with God. But if we're honest, we all have those times like Sarah when we doubted what God could do in our lives. The disciples themselves faced fear head on, and a real crisis of faith when they saw what was happening to Jesus. When Jesus was arrested and things didn't go as they had envisioned, they all ran away. And they most certainly felt defeated when they saw what we're about to read. As Jesus was hanging on a cross, it appears, it appears that Jesus wasn't what he claimed he was. After all these things they'd seen and done, it was almost forgotten. They run away, and here he is on a cross. And this is the scene that we read on Good Friday. In Matthew chapter 27, verse 27, if you want to follow with us, this is what's happening. It says, Then the governor's soldiers took Jesus into the praetorium and gathered the whole company of soldiers around him. These were guards that had done so many crucifixions that they tried to come up with different creative ways to kind of have fun with it because they're almost bored with torturing people. And so they gathered Jesus, and it says, they stripped him and they put a scarlet robe on him, and then they twisted together, as part of their creativity, I'm sure, a crown of thorns and set it on his head. They put a staff in his right hand, and they knelt in front of him and mocked him. Hail, King of the Jews, they said, and they spit on him, and they took the staff and struck him on the head again and again. And after they had mocked him, they took off the robe 
and put on his own clothes, and they led him away to crucify him. And as they were going out, they met a man from Cyrene named Simon, and they forced him to carry the cross. They came to a place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. And there they offered Jesus wine to drink mixed with gall, but after tasting it, he refused to drink it. When they had crucified him, they divided up his clothes by casting lots, and sitting down, they kept watch over him there. And above his head, they placed the written charge against him. This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. And two rebels were crucified with him, one on his right and one on his left. And those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, You who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself. Come down from the cross if you are the Son of God. If that's who you really are, come on down. You can imagine what's going through the disciples' mind and those others that had been just a few days ago welcoming Jesus into Jerusalem as king, throwing down palm branches in their coats and, and welcoming him and shouting what we sang earlier, Hosanna. Praising God, praise to God in, in the highest. Is he who he said he was? Is this really, was this stuff a fluke? Who is this man? You who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself. Come down from the cross if you're the Son of God. In the same way, the chief priests, the religious leaders who had, had Jesus had really given a smackdown all this time feel like this is their time. It says that they mocked him. And they said, he saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. He's the king of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross and we will believe in him. Just come down right now. He trusts in God. Let God rescue him now if he wants him. For he said, I am the son of God. In the same way, even the two rebels or thieves in other versions as it's read were crucified with him. They also heaped insults on Jesus. What must the disciples have been thinking? Our faith is questioned often as Christians, and we, we, there are moments where God can do anything and we have great faith in the Lord, but there are other times where our faith is shaken. Is this really the God of the impossible? Can he really handle maybe this stuff, but not the one thing? It says, from noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over all the land on Friday. And at about three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Quick note, God didn't turn his back on Jesus. That is the beginning of one of the Psalms in the Old Testament that truly describes the victory of the Messiah. And it was his way of basically saying, this is what's happening right now before your eyes. You think that this is a, a bad thing, but victory is coming. And some of those that were standing, though, they heard this and they said, he's calling Elijah. Immediately, one of them ran and got a sponge and they filled it with, vine, uh, with wine vinegar and put it on a staff and offered it to Jesus to drink. And the rest said, now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to save him. 
And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. But here's what happens. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, the rocks split, and the tombs broke open. The bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. and They came out of the tombs after Jesus' resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared to many people. Just caught this, but what were they doing if they were alive hanging out in the tombs until Sunday? Jesus had to be first. That's pretty awesome. Wow. When the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and all that had happened, they were terrified and exclaimed, Surely he was the Son of God. And many women were there watching from a distance, and they had followed Jesus from Galilee to care for his needs. And among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Joseph, and the mother of Zebedee's sons. So amazing things had happened at this point. And even some of the Roman guards changed their tune, and they, they say, shout out, surely he was the Son of God. But even though these things happened, they said, surely he was the Son of God. Not surely he is the Son of God. So after watching this, now he's gone. In the evening, he's taking, taken down from the cross. His body is placed in the tomb. He's buried. It's over. Had a good run. Jesus, you did some amazing things. But now what? Can you imagine waking up on Saturday? What must Saturday have been like? As Christians, we don't talk a lot about Saturday. We don't talk about day two. We talk about Friday. It's the picture of the cross. And then we talk about Sunday. We don't talk about Saturday. Saturday, all day and all night, had to be a very dark day for the disciples. Have you ever lived in Saturday? Have you ever lived in day two? Maybe you're in the middle of day two. You're in that, that darkness, in that, that moment of defeat. I don't know if you've ever felt like giving up, if you've ever wondered where God is in a situation in your life. Yeah, you said you would do this, but it, it's feeling like day two. It's feeling like Saturday. At the time, the disciples didn't know what we already know now. They didn't know for sure what was going to be happening on Sunday, even though he had told them several times. They didn't get it. It didn't click. They didn't really understand what was happening on Sunday. If they, if they had, they wouldn't have been hiding away. And so Saturday for them was as real as some of those moments that you felt of despair and, and defeat. At the time, the disciples didn't know what was about to happen on Sunday. And sometimes, though, we get stuck 
in Saturday, and we forget that Sunday's coming. We get the attitude that, that God can fix anything but this. God can fix anything but that one thing. But the story is not over, is it? The story is not over for Jesus and also not for us. In Matthew 28, the next chapter, we read this in verse 1. After the Sabbath, at dawn, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. And his appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were as white as snow, and the guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. And the angel said to the woman, to the woman do, do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He is risen, just as he said. Go figure. Come and see the place where he lay. Go ahead. Check it out. But then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you, so the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him and clasped his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. You see, Jesus is an overcomer. Jesus is victorious. Jesus is an overcomer. He overcame, thinking through the things that he had done, he overcame sickness Disease after disease and situation after situation, we see how Jesus overcame disease and how he healed people. A man who had been paralyzed for, for 38 years, a guy that couldn't even drag himself up on two feet to go anywhere, was just stuck in this particular place. Jesus healed that man, healed people that were born blind, rose people back from the grave, Lazarus even. Jesus overcame evil. It's a great story that of this guy who was called the demoniac who was possessed with all kinds of demons. And Jesus, this guy was like so crazy that he kept pulling, pulling himself out of chains. He was chained up for one, right? Pulled himself away from chains. And the people just stayed away from this guy who essentially lived in the graveyard. And yet Jesus comes and lays hands on him and removes the demons. And this guy is just sitting there in his right mind, which freaked the rest of the people out. Like, I, Fred, I've never known you like this. <laughs> what happened to you, Fred? And he wants to go with Jesus. Jesus overcame his own laws of nature so many times. We see the stories of how Jesus had calmed the sea when they were in the middle of a storm with the disciples, and the disciples would freak out for good reason because in that particular sea, so many people would drown because it was the way that it was set up naturally. And so Jesus calms the sea from raging storm to still, 
And they're like, who is this who even calms the sea? Jesus, the one who's turning water into wine, made a lot of friends. You can laugh there, insert laughter here, okay? Large catches of fish, controls the fish, hey, get in this net. Jesus overcame sickness, he overcame evil, he overcame nature, he overcame hunger, feeding the 5,000 at one particular time. And Jesus overcame sin and death by his work on the cross and rising again on the third day. And Jesus did so many other things. This is such a cool verse, too. You just begin to really wonder. In John verse, chapter 21, verse 25, says, Jesus did many other things as well. And if every one of them were written down, I suppose that, that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. I just wondered this morning, maybe, or have you ever fallen flat on your face? Maybe you're facing the impossible. Maybe that, that one thing is on your mind this morning. And Easter is definitely a time to remember that God is able. That our God is an overcomer. That our God is the one who overcame sin and death. The one who controlled all these things that I mentioned earlier. Whatever we face, Jesus has shown and proven that he was not just a man, was not just a prophet, he was not just a teacher, he is God. A God who has the power to change anything. The God of the impossible. I want to read to you a prayer this morning that comes out of Ephesians chapter 1 as we wrap up. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15, this is Paul's prayer for the Ephesian church. And he says this, he says, For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all of God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. He says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. And I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he's called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things, everything, under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything and everything in every way. 
If there is any hope to be had, if there is any power for anything to be changed, it's to be found in Jesus, our Savior, our Creator, and our Lord. I want to ask for you to stand with me this morning. I really just want to say this prayer for you, for us, for us to really get it, for us to really understand and know the Lord in such a deep way, to never forget who He is, to never forget that He is the one who overcame the grave, that the very same power that raised Him from the dead is working in our lives, no matter what we face, and because of that, we have such a reason to celebrate all that he's done this morning. Can we pray together? Lord Jesus, Lord, we thank you so much for Easter. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to celebrate that you are who you say you are, that you rose again on the third day and that our our sin is gone, and grace is here and life is here because of you. Lord, we thank you that you are the God of the impossible. And whatever that one thing is that we've held back, Lord, we we give it to you and we trust you with everything. Lord, some of us have had too many moments lately where we've just been living in Saturday and forgetting about Sunday. Help us to remember the power of your spirit to truly change every aspect of our life for your glory for your kingdom. And Lord, I pray, Lord, as Paul prayed for the Ephesian church, Lord, that you'd give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation so that we may know you better, that the eyes of our heart would be enlightened in order that we may know the hope to which you've called us, the riches, the glorious inheritance that we have. Lord, that we would know the incomparably great power that you've given us who believe. That same power as the mighty strength that was exerted that raised you from the dead and seated you at the right hand of the Father. Lord, I just ask that, Lord, as it says in in Ephesians 22, that that all things have been placed under your feet that you fill up everything, Lord, that you would take our worries, that you would take our fears, take any issues that we face, Lord, and that you, that you resolve them. Lord, we love you. We trust in you. Lord, continue to remind us of your presence with us as we walk through every day of life. Let us never deny you. Let us never turn away. Let us continue to celebrate every day as Easter because you've been risen for a long time. You were still risen yesterday and the day before that, and you are risen tomorrow. It's not in the past. It's now. So, Lord, we love you. We celebrate you. We thank you for this day. It's in Jesus' name we pray.